Yes. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Redeeming Love Church. I'm Stephanie Pack, and I'm here for Brother John today. And so last week started a message called Jesus is the Open Door. And so I know all of us weren't here last week, so I'm just going to do a little mini summary about what we uh, had last week, and then we'll move forward. Uh, and so I'm just really, really glad that everyone is here today. So as I said, Jesus is the open door. And as I did last week, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. And the reason why I said last week that I'm doing that is that I believe in these days, we're going to have more and more opportunities to share the word of God, to share the gospel of Jesus, to give a hope for what we have on the inside of us, why we live the way we do, why we believe what we believe. And so I believe that with that also comes responsibility so that we're ready when the time comes. And so today we're going to start like restart with John chapter 10 and verse 9 just to get us going. But again, we've uh, as I've been here in May and then in June, we've been talking about all the things Jesus is. And so we've talked about that he's the bread of life. Uh, you've had a message on that he is the good shepherd. We've talked about his healing power. We've talked about the fact that everything we need is wrapped up in him. And so this is just another opportunity to go a little bit farther. And so we're going to look, and I'm, this morning I'm using primarily the New Living Translation, but I have a couple of others that I may share with you. And so this is a, a good reminder of our last few weeks, and that's in John 10, and we're going to start in verse 9. In verse 9. And this version says gate. The New King James Version, or the King James Version, says he's the door. And so I'll pull that one out as well so that we have it. Um, sometimes the way things might be translated from one word, it may look a little bit different, but the meaning is, is the exact same thing. So uh, I will first read from the New Living Translation, and again, it's John chapter 10, verse 9. That's where we're going to start. This is Jesus speaking. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, if we take a look at that in the New King James Version, and it reads just about the same in the King James, if we look at, at 10 verses 9 through, this is what we're going to do. And I'll actually read through verse 16 in the New King James Version. It says, I am the door. If anyone, remember anyone, there's no one who falls outside of the possibility for Jesus being there for them. And you're going to meet people that one of the very first things that they might say is that, well, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've come from. But this verse makes very clear that this is for everyone, for all. So again... Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Verse 11, and this goes back to what you heard two weeks ago. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But the hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. And you could put a really big butt in there. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, last week I talked about that Jesus is the way, he is the door, he is the gate, He's like your port of entry to the Father. And it says anyone, all, must go through him, right? And all who do go through him will be saved. There's nothing up in the air about it. So that if someone says what I suggested before we just began, that you don't understand who I am, you don't know who my parents are, you don't know what I've done, what I've gone through, this, amongst so many other scriptures in the New Testament, you can go to this and you can let them know, no, no, if you come through Jesus, you will be saved. Just point blank, very specifically, no ifs, ands, or buts. And so I believe, again, as I said at the top, that we are living in a day where people want more. They're looking for more. They've put all their attention in so many different places, and they're still not satisfied. They have no peace. But yet, we who already know the Lord, we who have called on his name and have been saved, we have the answer that they need. And so I'm going to just encourage you again, just like I have been these last few weeks, look for opportunities. Ask the Holy Spirit to put you in the right place at the right time with the right people, and that you would have ears to hear, that you would have his eyes to see those who are in need, those who are ready to hear this gospel message. And so just as a reminder, he's already told us he is our salvation. But last week, I also told you, not is he only the open door to salvation, he's the open door to the Father. Let's skip over just a couple of chapters to John 14 and verse 6. 14 and verse 6. This is our mini summary from last week so that we're all on the same page. Now again, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, so that means it's Jesus speaking to us. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That means because of Jesus, we now have access to the Father. Last week, we talked about the fact that we are adopted into the family, that he's our Abba, he's our Daddy, that we can come boldly into his throne room, 
with never of concern of how he will respond to us because it's not based on our good. It's based on the righteousness and the good of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, last week, we spoke about the fact that Jesus is not only the open door to our salvation, he's not only open door to the Father, but he is the open door to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look, stay right there in that same chapter in John chapter 14, and we're look at two portions of scripture. This is all from last week, so if you missed, just go back and look at it, and I have a lot more scripture and a lot more information for you. So John 14, we're going to look in verses 5 through 7. 5 through 7. I know that some of you, we've already done that one portion, so uh, we looked at 14, 6. But also it says, no, verse 5, no, we don't know, Lord. In other words, remember Jesus, starting with verse 1, is telling them that he's going away. So let's just look back there. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And trust also in me. Again, remember there's that link between God the Son and God the Father. There is more than enough room in my Father's home, and we'll talk about that a little bit later today. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready? I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I'm going. And then Thomas is like, we don't know. Now, at this point, you might think that Jesus could be frustrated with his disciples after walking with them for three and a half years. It's like the penny hasn't quite dropped. The light bulb hasn't quite turned on all the way. And that's where we see Jesus sharing, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the, the light. No one can get to the Father but through me. But then if you go down um, in verse 16... It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Remember, he's just said we're leaving. I'm leaving, rather, not we. I'm leaving. And they're like, and he says, and you know where I'm going. And Thomas is like, no, I don't. And he says, but I'm the way to the Father. And then they were very upset. What do you mean you're going? What do you mean you're, you're going to leave us? What are you talking about? And this is what Jesus promised. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. And now he's getting ready to describe to his disciples the character of the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him, because he lives with you now and later will be in you. We spoke last week about the fact that really, as we're referencing the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament, we hear Holy Spirit, we see Holy Ghost sometime, but we also see the Spirit, the self-same Spirit of Jesus Christ. We see the Spirit of God. So we need to know when we talk about, you know, Jesus coming to live on the inside of it, us, it's really his very own self-same spirit 
who comes to dwell on the inside of us. Because remember, at this point in Scripture, Jesus had not gone to the cross and he had not paid that price for our sin as of yet. But he was looking toward that day. He was preparing his disciples. So not only does he provide salvation for us, he is the only way to get to the Father, so he provides the way to the Father, and he provides us the very Holy Spirit, his very Spirit, who comes and dwells within us, who will lead us into all truth. So these are all things that we talked about last week. Again, there's a whole lot of scripture, a whole lot of information. Just go back and take a look or take a listen to last week's message. Again, he is the way, he is the gate, he is the door, he is our port of entry. But I want us to go farther, very, very much farther today. And that is, Jesus is the open door to everything we need in this life and as we make a transition to heaven at the end of our lives, just like we sung in our worship today. That his life doesn't simply cause us to be able to be saved doesn't simply just cause us to be able to have a renewed relationship with our Father God. It's not just that Jesus is the open door for the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells within us when we receive the work of salvation, but every promise that is in God's Word is made available to us because of Jesus. So we're going to start looking at some of those because we need to know when someone asks us for the hope that lies within us. Or why does your life look different than mine? We can always. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And so as we go through the rest of these, I want you to always consider that the point is, is that everything we need in this life, everything, every good and perfect gift, right? Everything we have need of in this life, we can receive because of Jesus. Point blank. It's all because of Jesus. And so, again, during this time and this season in which we're in, I'm going to encourage you, don't get into fusses and debates and all that is available to us because and unless, rather I should say unless, it's about Jesus, the Son of God where you're trying to express to someone that he truly is the only way, that he is the answer. All the rest of the stuff that we have need in life comes back to we need Jesus. So when you meet someone who frustrates you, when you meet someone who's just not doing it right, and you want your, you're tempted, as it were, to get really upset, to get really frustrated, to live in your emotions, this is what I say to myself. You know what? They just need Jesus. And that's true for salvation. But sometimes, even though someone has believed and called upon the name of the Lord, they have been ignorant. That, that's not stupid. If you're ignorant, you just don't know. They're ignorant of everything that Jesus desires and already has provided for them. They think they're just, if they are saved, you've got some people are just, well, I'm just hanging out, holding on till Jesus comes back or I die, whichever comes first. 
and they don't realize that every single promise that we can find in the Word is available to us because of Jesus. It's available to us through Jesus. He is the door to everything we need in this life. So let's pray. Father God, I just ask you in the very name of Jesus that by your Holy Spirit, that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we hear things we may have heard before, that we see things perhaps in a different way. Those, of, uh, those who hear this message and know the truth of these words, Lord, may they be encouraged, may they be strengthened, may they decide to just keep moving forward as you instruct them and teach them in the way that they should go. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. We thank you that he came, that he lived a sinless life, that he died for all of us here in, in our sin. We became righteous because of him. So we just thank you, Lord, and we'll give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. Amen. Now, the very next thing that I want you to know that you know that you know is that Jesus is the open door to love. The open door to love. So we know people, we all know people, they are looking for love and that, that, remember, in all the wrong places, that song that used to be sung. We want people to look in the right direction and to the right person for love. And Jesus is the open door to love. Not only is he the open door for us to be loved, but he's the open door for us to understand and begin to act out of love for one another. In and of our own selves, we're going to like or love some people, and we're not going to like or love other people, just our natural personalities. And if someone doesn't know Jesus, they don't know true love because they've never met true love. So we need to know that as we go through our life, if you see someone struggling, they just need to meet Jesus, who is love through and through. There's nothing in him but love. So let's take a look, very first of all, to what we all have heard, and that is the very basis of, of, of this conversation, and that's John 3, 16. And because most people know it in the King James Version, I'm going to read it to you out of the New King James Version. So almost all of us know, if you're looking at a New King James Version, you just basically have lost the these and the thous and that sort of Shakespearean type language. Okay? So we're going to look at this. Let's start in 16. For God, actually no, let's start in the end of verse 14. It says, The Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever, again, that's everybody, no one missing, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, his one and only Son, that whoever, again, that's absolutely everybody, no one missing, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have 
everlasting life. Now, we spoke, oh, I don't know, about a month or so ago to the fact, looking in John chapter 1, that Jesus is life and light. So we need to acknowledge here that the only way that we will have eternal life and not eternal death, it's through Jesus. Remember Genesis chapter 1, we're made in the likeness and image of God. Genesis chapter 3, we know that there was a break, right? There was a break. And so we desire the only difference in this eternal time that we have because we're eternal beings is where where do we want to spend eternity it's life or death heaven or hell but when we're given eternal life when we believe we begin it as soon as we believe it's our eternal life in this place on earth and then it would be eternal life in heaven and what the lord has for us but in this it says Whoever believes in him should not perish. Remember back in Genesis 2 when when God warned Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he says, in dying, you will die. What it was, in being separated from me spiritually and who I created you to be, you will then die naturally. We were never meant to die naturally. Sin, when it came into the world, started cutting our lives shorter and shorter. That's why when we look at the Old Testament, you have men and women who are living hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So in here again, for God did not send his son into the world, into the earth, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now sometimes, oftentimes, we get John 3.16, but we're not then told John 3.17. Jesus didn't come in to condemn people. And you're going to have folks that you meet who have been told that that's what Jesus does. And you need to know how to share with them, how to show them that that is not the truth. In fact... The very love of God the Father made it possible and initiated Jesus' coming. So the very first act that we see is because of love. So, I want us to look a little bit farther, and I want us to look in John 17. John 17, verses 25 and 26. So that's John 25, oh sorry, John 17, Verses 25 and 26. It says, O righteous Father. This is Jesus. This is Jesus praying for his current disciples at the time and those who would come to know him. It's all within John 17. Verse 25 says, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know that you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. God the Father's love initiated Jesus Christ coming to this earth to become a sacrifice for us. 
His disciples had seen that the Father loved Jesus. But now Jesus is saying, this will also prove not only your love for them, but your love for me. And it says, and I will be in them. Goes back to us receiving the Holy Spirit, that it's through Jesus himself. But all of this is based in love. So if someone doesn't know, we should not be surprised if they fall short in the love category. If they don't know how to love someone unconditionally. If it's always, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. They will call things that are not love, love. That should not surprise us because they don't know the source of love. So let's take a look in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We'll go back and read 1 Corinthians 13. But for right now, I'd like to move to Ephesians. And what I want you to know is that, seriously, I believe that we're going to come in contact with people who are just going to say, I just want to be loved. I just want someone to love me. I just want to know that someone's there for me. And then you're going to have the tools that you need to share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is, God the Father is love. God sent Jesus for us, and Jesus loves unconditionally. He doesn't wait for you to get it right before he loves you. And I think that will be a surprise to many who think that somehow love is conditional. Maybe it was the family in which they were raised. Maybe it's something that they've heard somewhere. But I believe, I personally strongly believe that many are looking for real love. And they will find real love in Jesus. He is the door to love. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Now this is Paul praying for Christians. So I'm saying that not only do we need to know that love is the initiator of our salvation, of our relationship with the Father because of Jesus Christ, but you need to know that even as believers, it is important for us to know, it is important for us to understand more and more this love that we're talking about. So Paul is praying for the entire church at Ephesus. He's praying for their spiritual growth. He wants them to have everything that God wants for them. And we see here in verses 18 and 19 this. May you experience, not just hear about, not just know in your head. It says, but may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Love, if you understand the love of Christ, you will be made complete. You will be full. You know and I know that folks all around us are looking for that. They're wanting that. They just don't know where to find it or in whom they can find it. 
So we're going to take a look at the Passion version. I don't have the Amplified with me, but the Passion version is really good too. For this, it's just common everyday language. And I think it will help all of us to hear this. Again, we're in verses 18 and 19. I'm going to go back on this because it might be a little bit easier to understand. It says, verse 14, just the beginning of the prayer. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love. I love that terminology. The resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Jesus, just as we know that God is love, Jesus, remember God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they do not counter your conflict with one another. They say the same thing. They are the same one, just three different in one. So I don't know about you, but the very source of his love for me, for the world, how he operates, I truly want to understand that because it says here that his love will become the very source and root of your life. Someone who becomes bitter, someone who becomes easily offended, someone who lives life in a bitter way has lost, if they ever knew it, they have lost that understanding and knowledge that Jesus' love is the very source and root of their lives. It goes on and it says this, Then you will be empowered to discover What every holy one experiences. Every holy one is those who have been called upon the name of the Lord. Those who can be called Christians. Those who have been made holy. Says the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. If it's astonishing, it's going to blow the socks off of everybody around. Because as much as you can imagine who Jesus is and how much he loves you, it goes beyond that. It's astonishing. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. His love doesn't fade out. It, It doesn't give way. And it being inclusive is the fact that God loved the, what? The whole world. Everything we've read today is it's about for whosoever will. It's for everyone. No one left out. Endless love beyond measurement. 
that transcends, that goes above and beyond our understanding, our natural understanding. We cannot fathom how much he loves us. We cannot fathom how much he loves his creation, the world, even when they're in a mess. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding, this extravagant love, like over and above and over and above, running over, this extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Isn't that a really great translation? That just makes it real. It's active. It's not passive. When you meet Jesus, God's very life that resides in you is based, is sourced in love. You will be, remember we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in him? Well, that's because we're going to live by love. So, it's a good time for us to go to 1 Corinthians 13. And I'll take a look at it from the New King James Version because that's probably how the majority have heard it from the old English King James. But we're just going to make it a little bit more current. Take out the these and thous. Okay, so in this, in 1 Corinthians 13, almost all of us have probably heard it at a wedding. All right? And we, we associate it with natural love, okay? But truly, without God himself and his character and who he is and that he is love, every single aspect of him is love, we're not going to be able to experience this between two individuals. So if you're married, then you need to know that your marriage is rooted, grounded. The very source of it is the love of Jesus Christ because it's based in that. Even your love for your children, any kind of relationship you have, how can you do that properly? You need the Lord. So in this, verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, in sin, in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, again, I would encourage you, if you don't have an Amplified Bible, get in your BibleGateway.com and your, whatever you have on your tablet or phone and take a look at the Amplified Version. It will make this so perfectly clear to you. But for this morning, since I didn't bring that with me, I'm going to show you a few things that it might just help make it even clearer to you. This says, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. 
Now remember, if Jesus is the open door to love, then we need to know him first and foremost before we can walk in his kind of love. So that's what we need to be considering today. I left off with love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame. That's, that's a big one, isn't it? Love, real love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. Now we just heard that his love is supposed to be our source. We're supposed to be rooted in this love, rooted and grounded in his love. And this right here also tells that his love is a safe place. You're never in danger when you're rooted in the very love of God. And how do we know that Jesus is that way? Not only is he the way, but he loved us so much that he chose to lay down his life for us. His life wasn't taken. He chose to become that sacrifice for us. So in this, he is our safe place of shelter. His love is a safe place of shelter. It says, for, for the reason of, it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as deceit, as defeat, for it never gives up Love never stops loving. Love never stops loving. Now, I don't know about you all, but I have never met a person who was honest, who didn't say at their very heart and the core of their being that they didn't care about love. They didn't want anybody to love them. They hated everybody. They, they didn't care if they ever met another person. They didn't care how people treated them. Now, you might have a few people who will say that, but if you listen long enough, it's the exact opposite is true. So, if we're not only encouraging ourselves and building ourselves up in the Word, right? We're renewing our minds with the Word of God. We also have this treasure that we can then share with someone when we see they are aching to be loved. This is the only way. He is the only way to love. Just as he is only the way to the Father, we know that God is love. And that is not always what people have heard, what people have been taught, or what people have seen exhibited by those of us. Now, I'm not talking about literally those who are sitting in this room. But Christians in general, those who have called themselves Christians throughout time, people have not always seen them operating in love. And it has taken almost a, a, on a life of its own. Have you ever met someone who is like, oh, you know, God doesn't love me. Because if he loved me, 
the, the people the people who say they're of him would love me and so I'm going to say this and it may not be popular you can still love someone who's walking in iniquity who's choosing to go their own way no matter what that means but you love them unconditionally but you still continue to tell them the truth you continue to tell them the truth what in love so that's important it's important for all for all of us to know and understand the very key is that God is love it's the reason why he created us in the very beginning it's why he put up with the children of Israel right it's the reason why Jesus came and lived a sinless life and died for us. It's why he continues to teach us, protect us, keep us, all the things he does for us as believers. It's rooted and grounded in love. So if you meet someone who does not know love, don't push them away. Don't give up on them. Just recognize they just need to meet the source of true love. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And our getting mad at them doesn't work. It just pushes them further and further away. But again, that does not mean that you don't continue to speak truth to them. But you do it with love, in love, with compassion, with a heart that's poured out to them. Amen? That's the way that we're going to see more people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let's take a look. Two more scriptures. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. And it's verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, so again, he's speaking to believers. So I don't want you to listen to this and go, okay, I already know Jesus. I already know he's love. I already know that he's my life. I'm supposed to be rooted and grounded in him. I've read 1 Corinthians 13 over and over and over again. I got it. But throughout the entirety of the New Testament, you continue to see book after book, chapter after chapter, verse after verse, reminding believers of love. It says this, Dear friends, now remember what I told you right before. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Well, then that means he's reminding believers to love other believers. So it's not just that we, we need to love the unsaved. It's saying that we need to remember to love other believers. Now, if he told us that, guess what? There's a possibility that we might forget. So, I would say that all the church splits that have happened throughout history would not have happened if we had remembered to love one another. And that word for means because. Why do we need to continue to love one another? Because love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God 
For God is love. That means, what's the opposite of love? Hate. That means, as believers, we are not allowed to hate anyone. I don't care what they've done to us. I don't care how they've talked about us. I don't care what they stand for. We're told that we cannot have hate in our hearts. Because if we love, we know we're children of God. And again, he's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to those in the church. So we need to remind ourselves. Because guess what? We can be tempted. Personalities can rub the wrong way. Somebody can get under your skin. Someone can do something to you. So we need to be reminded. He goes on to say, But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. His one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not fake love. Not I love you one day, don't love you the next. You say anything, you do anything that makes me mad, don't love you anymore. That's not real love. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So it's not because we decided all of a sudden to seek him, to, to make a move toward him, and then he's like, oh, well, they're making a move, so I'll love them. No, he chose to love us before we ever made a move to him. Again, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We must remember that. Dear friends, again, this is to the church. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. So what he's saying, if God loved you before you all got all your stuff together, if God loved you when you were still, you were still in Satan's fold, if he loved you no matter what, don't we think or don't you think that we should love one another? We ought to. That's the word used. We ought to love each other. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. This is God the Father, right? No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So when he loves us, the very act of that, his love is going to, what I would say, it's going to bloom, it's going to grow, it's going to come to fruition. Think about Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love. We should see love growing in ourselves, not only for the Lord as he continues to reveal himself, but for those who surround us whether they're our family members, whether they're work co-workers, community members, our own church members, the entirety of the world. Verse 13. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him. 
and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes. Now remember, this is John the disciple writing 1 John. He was the closest to Jesus. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So John was smack dab right in the middle of the three and a half years that Jesus was walking the earth. As he was being moved with compassion. John was the only disciple who was feet away from the cross. Literally feet away from the cross. He was the one who was there through it all. So he's saying to everyone who would read 1 John, it's by my own eyes, he uses our, but it's by my own eyes that I can now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. Verse 16, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. So that brings me to the idea of how can we trust God? Where do we place our trust? We must place it in him, in the one who created us, in the one who came to save us, But why can't we do that? Because we know as we search the scriptures that everything that he does is based in love. We can trust him because we know he loves us. He's never going to ask something of us. He's never going to instruct us in any way that would lead us away from where we're supposed to go because he loves us which you need to know when talking to people because some folks have a wrong impression about God. They think God is just waiting to smack them down. They think God is is judging them. Something happens to them in their lives. A sickness, a disease, an accident, a loss of a business, a bankruptcy, a destruction of a relationship. And the very first thing they want to do and sometimes even those in the church, is say, well, God God somehow allowed this, did this to me, so that he could work on me. Now, I would. there's parents in here, I would say that no one in this room would do something like that to their own child. You'd be messed up. So why would we think God, our Father, would ever do anything like that to us? Our children trust us. Your children trust you because they know you love them. So we can know that we know that we know that we can place our full trust, our full reliance, leaning completely upon our Father because in our heart, by the Holy Spirit who dwells on the inside of us, is ringing true God loves you. He's speaking to your heart. I love you. I want the best for you. I desire so much for you. I want to put you in the right place. Your boundary lines lines are falling in pleasant places, just like Psalm says. You can trust him because he loves you. The rest of that verse 
the second part of verse 16 says, God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love, our natural love, the ability for us to love, grows more perfect. So guess what, guys? None of us have arrived. None of us. We should be growing more and more in love. Our love should be being perfected. Guess what? We're not perfect. We're going to miss it. But as soon as the Holy Spirit draws something to your attention, be quick to make a move. Be quick to repent. Be quick to say, Lord, I am so sorry. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Help me to love even more. Help me in this area where I desire my love to be perfected more and more until I see you face to face. Because we're not always going to get it right. It says this, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we, like Jesus, we live like Jesus here in this world. In this day of judgment that we're talking about, we're believers. We're going to heaven. This is talking about us being judged for what we've done in this earth. Right? We know if we love the Lord, we're going to heaven. We're going to spend all of the rest of eternity in life. But in this particular portion of Scripture... We don't have to be afraid that on that day of judgment where he hands out rewards or tells us where we missed it, we don't have to be concerned or afraid of that if we continue to be perfected in love. Why? Because he is love. Verse 18. Such love. What kind of love? The God kind of love. Such love has no fear. I think all of us sitting in this room today would say that fear has been almost tangible in the last 18 to 24 months. You run across people all the time who are living in fear, who are making decisions in fear, who have shut themselves away, have almost like, you know, done one of these numbers. Both those who don't know the Lord and unfortunately those who have forgotten this portion of Scripture who actually have called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. God's kind of love, right here we see, has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. So if you find yourself in a position where the enemy, Satan, is trying to put you in a place of fear, I'm going to encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord who is love. Say, Lord, I don't want this fear. I rather would rather walk in, live in, experience your love. Because I know if I do all those things, I'm there is not going to be fear in me because I know you love me. I can trust you. I don't have to walk in fear. And when you're not walking in fear, you're not making decisions out of fear. It says, remember, perfect love expels, the King James Version says, casts out all fear. If we are afraid, 
It is for fear of punishment. And it's going back to that whole idea of the day of judgment. We believers have nothing to fear. I know people who come to church every week, read their Bibles diligently, and yet they still aren't sure of whether they're going to make it into heaven. Well, I'm doing everything I know to do. I guess I'll find out at the end of my life if I've done enough. They have not understood the perfect love of God. It says, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Now, we were talking about babies, and this is Father's Day. We would not expect a baby just born or a child of a few months old or a few years old to be able to do what a 15, 20, 25, 40, 50, 75-year-old would do. So that's why there's growing there's maturing. And so what I want to say to you is someone can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. They can hear that Jesus paid for their sin, and yet they can still be lacking in this area. Whether it's because they've been told they were unlovable, whether it's something that happened to them that really God couldn't love me that much because... Perhaps someone who is ignorant in the entirety of the word shared something that was an opinion and not the truth of the gospel. But what I want to share with us is that not only should we personally be looking to grow in love, to have love perfected in us, but this is where we can help each other as believers. If you see someone falling in that particular area where they begin to second-guess themselves. They begin to second-guess the work of grace in their lives. If they question whether God really loves them or whether they can really love someone else, encourage them. Don't let them wonder all the rest of their lives about what really God thinks about them. Because I can just tell you guys, I mean, it brings tears to my eyes. I've had so many conversations with people who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, who, who have put their faith in Him and yet still have trouble in this area. They still just haven't quite gotten there. And we need to be aware that some folks, whether it's a mental block, whether something's happened to them, that we need to be there to where we can help them along. We cover them. We speak life to them. We speak love to them. We don't say, well, you should have gotten this by now. Why are we talking about this again? I've had people say things like that to me or about others. Like, how many times have you heard this? <sighs> we cannot afford to do that to our own company, let alone those who don't even know the truth. So in this, it says, For if we... Don't love people. Actually, I need to go up. I, I skipped a portion. Um, verse 19. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. That's harsh. But it's the truth. 
we can't have hate in our hearts, guys. It says, for if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. And then John 13. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to... It's two verses. 13 verses 34 and 35. And there is, this is so rich that obviously I've taken up our entire time talking about the fact that Jesus is the open door to love. But I have so much more. So, but I do want us to camp out here before we leave today. And that is John 13 verses 34 and 35. Now we know that both in the Old Testament and as Jesus was beginning his ministry, that we're told, that the Israelites were told, those who were following after Jesus were told, that our commandment was to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Right? We see it in the Old Testament, we see it all the way back in Deuteronomy, and we see it in the New Testament. But as Jesus prepares his disciples for his leaving. This is what Jesus says. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Okay, so this isn't just the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And I would just say as an aside, there is no way that you can love your neighbor if you don't know the love of God. Sometimes I would say that people have trouble loving their neighbor because they don't even know how to love themselves. They'll tell you about God, but they it's almost like they hate themselves. They talk bad about themselves. So if you have that poor opinion of yourself, why would you turn around and pour unconditional love on someone else when you can kind of step back and go, oh, they're missing up there. They're missing up over there. Did you see what they did? Did you hear? Did you this? Did you that? And so this new commandment is this. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I'm going to take a look at that in the passion and then we're going to quickly wrap up and then you all you men can go out and be celebrated and so we're looking again in John 13 verses 34 and 35 all right Now remember, this is right in the middle of Passover. Jesus is sitting, reclining, lounging at the table with his disciples. They've just celebrated Passover. Think communion. Okay? This is, this is during that portion. Jesus has just predicted 
that Peter will deny him. He is specific three times. And then this is what Jesus says. So, I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone. Is there anyone missing in that word? Everyone? No. That means the entire world. When the entire world sees that we love one another, everyone will know that you're Jesus' true followers. I won't take it, make it first person here, or I should put it back in first person rather. Jesus replied, Jesus replied, For when you demonstrate the same love I have given for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. Everyone. Peter said, what do you mean? I'm not able to follow you now. I would sacrifice my life to die for you. Peter's like, no, no, no. I wouldn't deny you. I'm going to go all the way with you. And Jesus answered, would you really lay down your life for me, Peter? Now remember, they had already heard that the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But right smack dab in the middle of this conversation with Peter, Jesus gives us, his disciples, his followers, a new commandment. That not only are we to love him, we are to love others as he loved us which means we are called to love unconditionally. We're called to love the loved, the lovable, rather, and we're called to love the unlovable. Now, I want you guys to take just a few seconds, and I'm sure that the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind and to your heart someone who is in your life who's just unlovable. And so I'm going to ask you to, to speak to the Lord about that, to show you this week. Just choose one person, just one. Lord, will you show me how I can better love this person who's in my life? I, I see them as unlovable. I know you love them, Lord, but boy, I have a hard time with this. Just one person. And if, if that person doesn't know the Lord, how much more so should you get your heart in the right place toward them? Because what if they come up to you and ask you the reason why you're such and such a way? They ask you, why, why are you different? Why does your life not look like mine? And if you've not loved them unconditionally, even though they're unlovable, how are they going to take what you say? Remember, we are going to be known by everyone by the love we have for each other. So if they see you can't even love the other people in your church or other believers you work with, why would they even put a step forward to ask you a question about your faith. 
to ask you where you go to church, to ask why Jesus is so important to you. Because, again, on the inside of me, there is coming very, very soon a season of people who are going to be asking us why we believe the way we believe. They're going to ask us, how can I have what you have? We need to be prepared. We need to have been paving the way so that they have ears to hear, a heart to listen. And remember, there are some who plow. Maybe you're the person that's going to plow the hard ground with an unlovable one. There are those of us who are called to sow seed. We're going to sow the word. We're going to sow the word. We're going to sow the word. There are those of us who are going to be called to come along and water that word. Water that word. All of us have planted things. You can't just put seed on the top of the ground. You've got to plow it first. And even if you put seed in the ground, if you don't then come behind and water regularly, that seed's never going to come forth. And then when it does come forth, if you don't care enough to go out and harvest, your harvest will be lost. So I just want to today, this really, the Holy Spirit has just shifted where I, I thought I was going to be going today. Guys, just to proof, let me tell you. Jesus is the open door to protection and deliverance and safety. Jesus is the open door to provision. Jesus is the open door to heaven. Jesus is the open door to ministry and service. Jesus is the open door of blessing and favor. Jesus is the open door to wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. I had no idea as I prepared last week and then prepared again for this week, that this is how this particular message was going to come forth. So I just firmly believe we all need to hear this. We need to be reminded of it. If the early church needed to be reminded of it, so do we. And for this church who's called by the name of redeeming love, we especially need to have this deep in our hearts so that we know we can trust God, we know that he loves us unconditionally and he enables us. He gives us the ability to love those who are not believers. He enables us. He gives us the ability to love other believers because he is love. So if you need to be reminded of it, pull out 1 Corinthians 13. Get John chapter 13. Get 1 John and go all the way through there. Just steep yourself in this. Remember, according to Ephesians, we are to be rooted, grounded in this word. In this word that is Jesus is love. God is love. That's what he calls us to do. But first, we must understand that in and of ourselves. Father God, I just thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you have te you've been teaching us, you've been encouraging us, you've been tweaking us, Lord, that maybe you've corrected some of our thinking. But Father God, I thank you that as you've encouraged us to, to just get stuck into this truth, 
that there must be those, I know there are those, who are right smack dab in the middle of our spheres of influence, who need to know that you are love, who need to know that Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the anointed one, that he is the open door to love, to be loved and to learn how to love. So, Father, that as we move forward today, I thank you that you love us with an unconditional love, that we are your precious ones, that we are the apple of your eye, that you already look ahead of us and find a way for us before anything happens to us and in our lives. So, Father, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that your Holy Spirit will continue to teach us even in the night seasons, as you've promised. We see the psalmist talking about the fact that you even teach us while we sleep. So we thank you the Holy Spirit within us is active, continues to minister to us. Father, give us a vision for those individuals that you've placed in our lives who need to know this truth. May we be receptacles of this love. May it not only... Did, mm, Father God, not that we would just know that you love us, but that we would understand it's so important that we love others so that we might draw them to you. that you loved us before we ever even knew your name. So Father, we thank you that it's the whosoever will, that it's the everyone, anyone who believes in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he came to this life, that he lived a sinless existence, but yet chose to lay down his life for us. He is the true shepherd. He is the door. We thank you, Father, that everything he is that we have because we've believed on him. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Bill, do you have something for us?
No running. It's too hot. So the hand steps that you do is all very